So much I want to say to you, and I've got to just say it and just squeeze it all in right here fast. Can we do that? My heart is on fire, though, for you. I'm stirred in my Holy Ghost. I think I may, I'm not sure if I'm going to preach what I thought I was going to preach. I brought the door just in case, but we'll just flow and see what happens. Now, now, that song has just turned my world upside down because of the authority that God has given us. It is amazing. I'm, I'm always just amazed at the authority that God has given us, ladies. Now, this is a big deal. That even in moments like that, there's no just a pretty little song. Those are power words out of our mouth. We prophesy the word of God and things are moving and shifting and shaking. And that's actually what I want to encourage you in tonight. So can I do that? So thank you, Joey. Thank you, sweetheart. But I stay close. You never know when I'll need you again. If you don't mind, please. I want to encourage you in just actually in just what happened a little bit ago. Uh, and awaken just a fresh faith in you for who you really are as a woman of God in the earth and as intercessors. I pray that tonight just intercession and a group of intercessors are awakened in this room that transforms this region. I look at you and I can't help but just wonder uh, who you are. Like, here's what I wonder about you. I wonder who is connected to your sphere of influence in the spirit. What people are impacted by your life and your prayer? Like who all is in that sphere of your world that you are assigned to their life to bring change and deliverance and healing through that prophetic word that just came out of your mouth? I was thinking about it because I was even driving up here. I was thinking about, you remember the word says uh, in Ephesians 6, and I don't have time to look it up, where he's talking about we wrestle only against principalities, against powers and you know, spiritual weakness, high places. Then he goes on that whole thing and he says, so stand your ground. Remember that part? Your ground. Just that whole sphere of your ground, your place, your area, the, the, the sphere of influence that God has assigned to you. Listen, that's a big deal. You have a sphere of influence, an area, a place, an assignment God has given you. And within that sphere of your influence, your sphere, there's your kids, there's your husband, there's your mother, your daddy, everybody that's assigned, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your family, the place you work, your city. It's just, it's a big deal that you live in this city because you carry the kingdom of God in you. Whoa, that means you've got the ability to transform this whole city and region. They don't even know it. But because you're here, the kingdom of God is dwelling in your city. Because that's in your sphere of influence. Your ground, that's your ground. So you've got to hold your ground in the spirit. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump like a rock on water tonight because of time. Will y'all let me do that? Because I was, I'm, I'm just going to skip. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm going to use. I, I brought my sermon. Look how technologically advanced I am right there. But I think I'm just going to have to skip it all and just talk. Can I just, I think what I'm going to do is just share with you some of my testimony as of late. And some of the lessons that I've learned since Phyllis brought that up. Because I believe it will tie into this, what I'm, what's on my mind. About who you are as intercessors and what just happened in the room. I realized that more than ever in my life, the last 
especially the last five, six, seven years. Now, I've loved the Lord my whole life. I've always loved the voice of God, and, I, and I've cherished it. I have followed his voice. I've loved its leading. But I'm telling you, in 2014, it was actually about a five-year journey, but the last two of that five-year journey was the most intense time of my life, a, a season of intercession that changed me. And resulted in the greatest miracle I have ever been witness to. I love telling you that part. You know, that season of intercession awakened in me the intercessor and taught me not only to pray like I had never prayed before, but to hear the voice of God like I've never heard it and even realize how loud, how clear, and how often he speaks. And ladies, my dear sisters and friends, that voice is everything. That word is everything. Because I lived on it for those two years especially. And I've always lived on it, but those two years especially talking about a season about uh, a few years ago when the enemy attacked my daughter. Just a direct assault. Don't have time to go into all the details of this. But, you know, George and Phyllis know my children since they were infants, okay? Since Lindsay was born. Lindsay was born here. I was pregnant. She was born in Decatur. Lindsay born, raised in the ministry, know nothing but the presence of God their whole life, know nothing but God and more God. House, God, praying God, church, God, stand on the platform, ministering God, just God, their whole life. So we go to... Moved to Hamilton, Alabama in 1998. And surprise, surprise, the Lord birthed something called the ramp. Anybody ever been to the ramp? You need to come and see us. But anyway, so Lord and Lindsay were with me in this journey. Part of the DNA. Lauren married an incredible young man, saved through that ministry. He ended up being the COO of the ministry, blah, blah. Lindsay marries a young man out, out of the area of Hamilton, just outside, who became the pastor of the ramp, the director of the ramp school of ministry. Lindsay's over the performing arts department, choreography for chosen. It was just all like a mother's dream. My kids are all in the ministry with me. This is glorious. Couldn't be better, right? But then the enemy just begins to work in Lindsay's life and little by little, unbeknownst to me until it was sort of under the radar until by the time I realized it, it was too late. And Lindsay drop by drop of thought and thought and offense and deception turned into someone I had never known before. And in the spring of 14 came to us and said she was leaving our family. She was divorcing her husband with no spiritual grounds or biblical grounds whatsoever of any kind. She was moving to a different city, leaving the ministry and becoming a different person. Now how many of you ladies, I don't know how many of you I've ever faced, and I'm sure many of you have, that place where someone you love turns into someone you've never known. I mean, there were times I looked at Lindsay in that season and just said, who are you? Who are you? And it was interesting because one, one of the most important lessons I learned on that journey of intercession for my daughter was from people that were concerned about me and were coming to me saying, now, Karen... You know, she's an adult. You can't make her choose right. 
you can't force her to do this. She's got to make her own decisions. And in their concern for me, how many times they would say, you're going to have to accept this. You've got to accept this and move on with your life. You can't let this destroy you too. And it was a huge crossroad for me. Because I, I began to ponder in my mind, and this is, I want you to get this, ladies. This was huge. I began to think, is this really the way this is? That this, what this boils down to? After we've served God all of our lives and believed all these promises, that the devil just walks into my place, steals what means more to me than anything on this planet, and I've just got to accept that and just sort of sit here and accept that and move on? How do you move on with your life when your daughter's drowning in the ocean? Come on, somebody tell me I couldn't find that get out of it button somewhere in me. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it was at that point, it was a life-changing decision to make. Either, because I, I looked at it and I, and I remember thinking, when I look at this, there's nothing about this that looks like the will of God. Lindsay's life, nothing about Lindsay looks like God's will. In fact, everything in this picture right here looks like the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy her life. Nothing about it looks like God. So am I supposed to accept the enemy destroying my daughter's life, two beautiful little grandchildren that I love more than life, destroying her husband's heart, and we've all just got to accept this and move on? Or can I go really? To this God I've known my whole life. And this is what I thought. I can go to this God and say, and I did. God, what do you have to say about this thing right here? What is your word? I've heard what they've got to say and they've got to say. But what do you, God, have to say about this situation right there? What is it? Because your word is your will. And I made my decision. I'm not just going to sit here and accept this. I'm going to stand right here in this place until that thing right there looks like that word right there. Changed everything for me. Oh, hallelujah. Until, just say until. This situation looks like his will. And that's a big deal because that means it's all the more important that you know his will. And ladies, how good is our God? He wants you to know his will. He's not playing hide and go seek with it. He's not trying to cover it up. He wants to talk to you. He'll talk so plain, it'll blow your mind. It, that means it's all the more important. When you realize, listen to me good, you don't have to accept anything that's not God's will for your life. Can I say it again? You don't have to just accept anything that is not the will of God for your life. Okay? Now, I want to say this just as an understanding of clarity because I don't have time to go into this right now, but there are situations I've seen people walk through that I want to put those over here in this category of a friend who lost a little girl in an unthinkable tragedy. 
There was no answers for that. And in those kind of places, I saw that woman walk through that with a trust in God and a faith that to me expresses the highest form of worship there is. To say, I don't understand, but I trust. For those people, I believe they are the precious heart of God as a holy place of worship, all right? So I want to put them there and honor that, their faith. But I'm talking about situations that are alive today in our lives that we can do something about. Listen to me. You don't have to accept anything, not God's will for your life. But when you know God's will for your life, it changes everything. That's why you have to know it. I love that. It changes how you pray when you know the will of God. First John 5 um, it's some 14 or 15 right in there. First John 5, 14, 15 says, and I love this. In the King James, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Watch. That if we ask, if we ask what? Anything, watch, according to his will. He hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we're going to have whatever we ask for. Ladies, that's huge. That if you ask anything according to his will, then you can know you're going to have whatever you're asking for. That, that means when you know God's will about something, that's why when you pray, you pray till you hear his word. You pray till you got his opinion. You pray till you understand his will. And once you've got his will, and once you've got his word, that's the final answer right there. That's the end result. Now you pray different. Because when you know his will, you don't pray whiny prayers. You don't pray measly prayers. You're not praying, little Lord, help me. Oh, Jesus, Lord. Lord God, just help us, God, Lord. Jesus, 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 Lord. God, help us, Lord. God, Jesus, help us, Lord. No, you don't pray whiny prayers. When you know his will, that's what John says. It gives you confidence. When you know his will, you pray with confidence. Because then you go to God and you say, God, I already know your opinion on this. And I've come to agree with you. I've come to bring your will from heaven through me as a conduit of faith to the earth. Hallelujah. Everything changed for me. My world shut down. I began to pray. It was day and night. It was day and night. It was day and night. And I didn't know how long it was going to take, but my mind was made up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up until. And you know what would happen? I'd get a word and it'd get worse. I'd get a word from God and get a phone call about her and it had gotten from bad to worse to worse. Because the word's being tested. When you get a word and it gets worse, you don't give up. That's just the time that the word is being tested in you. Okay, let me tell you one more thing. Oh, dear Jesus. When Phyllis said that a while ago, I thought, I'm going to have to tell that. Jesus, Jesus, let me tell you something. These, when Lindsay was gone, this book, I've always loved it. This book became such life. It wasn't no longer words on a page. It was a voice that speaks. I didn't know Lindsay was written in every story. The whole book was about her. 
I'd read it and I saw her everywhere. And I saw, I, I was all in it. I was riding the horse with Deborah. I was blowing the horn with Gideon. I was in all of it. Because this book lives. And I'm telling you, I would read verses. I'd read stuff I'd read all my life. But all of a sudden it had new meaning like stuff like this. Let me just read this one I opened up to. I love this. It says in 2 Corinthians 3. I'm sorry. That's a good one there. Look at this one. I'm going to have to come down. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Yeah. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And to destroy false arguments. We destroy proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Who does all that? Say it again. We do. We do. Well, that's huge. We cast down the strongholds. And how do you do that? Not in your flesh. Because when you're dealing with people with a rebellious spirit or a spirit of deception, you'll know you are when you can't reason with them. You'll know when you're dealing with somebody on a one-to-one, if you can't reason, you're dealing with the influence of a demonic spirit. All that'll do is wear you out. And you ain't going to get anywhere with them. You've got to deal with it with God's mighty weapons, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word of God. And with those weapons, it's like, don't even, just, just be nice to them, but don't try to talk to them much. Just be nice to them. And honey, what you do then after that, you go to that prayer closet. They, they may not have much to say to you, but they can't do nothing about what you're doing over here. It's war on, baby. Yes. Here we are. I've got my weapons right here in my hand. Every time God gives me a promise, I'm writing it down. I've got a sword in my hand. I'd walk that dirt road declaring in the name of Jesus, my daughter is delivered from this demonic spirit of deception. In the name of Jesus, my daughter is delivered from this spirit of rebellion. In Jesus' name, by the word of God and decreeing with the weapons of God, you're binding those strongholds, pulling them down. Now watch this one. This is one more. This is what Phyllis was talking about. And it's one of my favorites. Share it. That's why she thinks she brought it up. Y'all, this one. We're about to do it. It's in 2 Corinthians 2. It's in verse chapter 6, verse. So good. I'll just start right here. 18, middle of it. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Who did he give it to? Verse 20. So we are Christ ambassadors. It says, this is huge. God is making his appeal through us. Then it says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God is making his appeal through you. That's just so gigantic. John Wesley said this, and and when I heard it, it was like, whoa. John Wesley said, God does nothing in the earth except in response to prayer. God does nothing in the earth except in response to prayer. That's huge. The first one I heard that, I wasn't even sure I agreed with it. I kept pondering it because I kept thinking, I don't know about that. 
Then the more I pondered it, the more I realized, I think the reason I don't think I much like it is because I don't like the responsibility it puts on me. Because it's easier to blame God. You know? But the truth is, when you pray, the Bible says, let me say this, the eyes of the Lord's roaming to and fro looking for somebody to get his will through. And when you pray, it matters. And let me tell you this, when you don't pray, it matters. When you leave your children, your husband, your family, your office friends, when you leave them to their sin, they can be lost for good. It's not just enough to say, well, God knows, and if it's his will. No. It, of course God knows. Of course not. It's not just enough he knows. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap like Ezekiel and pray and decree. That's why he says God is making his appeal through you. You speak for Christ when you plead, come back to God. So I took it literally. When Lindsay was gone, I'd go to the front porch of my house. I just opened the door to the house. On the front porch outside, she lived an hour away. There's no distance in the spirit, so it didn't matter. And then I'd stand on that front porch at the top of my lungs. I would, how many times? I don't know. How many times for two years? Lindsay! Come back to God! Lindsay! Come back to God! I can't tell you what happened. As I close tonight, the good news. I love to tell you this because I was desperate for somebody to tell me it worked. I wanted somebody to tell me you prayed and he answered. I wanted somebody to tell me my daughter was gone and I prayed and she came home. I needed to hear it. I came from Hamilton, Alabama to tell a mother tonight... The good news, Isaiah 49, 24, and 25. I hear that word over somebody tonight. It was my word. The captive of the warrior will be released. The plunder of the tyrant will be retrieved. For I will fight those that fight you. And I will save your children. That's the promise of God. You've got to believe that tonight. Come on, you've got to believe that. The Lord brought me here tonight to awaken hope in you. To keep believing your promise. You can't stop. You can't give up. And you can give up. Don't think you can't give up. A lot of people have given up and they don't realize they've given up. That's why Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, I'm going to teach you disciples how to pray and never give up. I'm going to teach you how to pray. Why did he say and never give up? Because you can give up. Because people give up and don't know it when they just develop a theology that makes them feel justified in quitting. I want to tell you what happened. Prayed, believed, stood, declared. Thanks, Joey. Maybe next time, buddy. Hallelujah. December, no, January of 16. It had been two years, and uh, we'd had winter ramp. We'd come in. I was exhausted. It had been two years. You can play, sweetheart. Just softly, if you will, please. And I, after two years of believing and contending and praying, two years every day, every day, getting these promises, promises, promises. 
watching it get worse. Until finally, mediation happened, custody was settled, everything was divided. They'd been separated three years. All I could do was pray that God would keep Casey's heart even open to ever take her back. He had stood with me for all that time, believing that she would have her eyes open and come home and leave the relationships that she was in. It was unthinkable, unimaginable. I remember the night I had come in from winter ramp that night, so tired. And Rick looked at me, my husband walked in and he had his cell phone with him and uh, he said, uh, well, I've just got this text from Casey and a situation had happened. Don't time to go into it. Casey had just seen the unthinkable. And Casey sent Rick a text that just said, well, it's, it's over for me and it's time now to move on. I just put my sandwich down. I grabbed my car keys, walked out of that house and started driving such an intense battle even just with God. Like, where's these promises? It just looks so impossible now. I remember being out there in that midnight sky. I was gone three hours driving around. Finally pulled up in an old dilapidated in a dilapidated house, empty house. I sat out there in the driveway and I just remember sitting in that driveway and praying with everything I had in I remember crying as hard as I could cry, but my prayer had basically just come down to why and where are you? Have you ever been there before? Just why and where are you? After believing you, why? But it wasn't like that. It was more like why? It was more like why, God, why? Why and where are you, God? Where are you? I remember I can quote what I said that night. I remember looking at God saying, I'm not asking you where you are because I'm angry with you. I'm asking you where you are because I believed you. I believed you. I remember I said exactly, Jesus, you told Martha, you told Martha that Lazarus would rise again. You told her that. Now tell me, will this marriage ever live again or will it not? I said, because God, if you don't tell me that my daughter and her marriage will ever live again, if you don't tell me that, that it will never live, if you don't say it, then I'm still going to believe everything you've said to me. All I can tell you is I felt something shift in the spirit. I felt something move oh, in the atmosphere. Oh, and then I heard his voice. And he said, say out loud, Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. But you don't know how possible. I was shocked how deep inside me this was buried. And actually, I remember it sounded like this. Lindsay and Casey came back together. 
He said, say it again. I said, Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. He said, say it again. He said, Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. Say it again. Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. All of a sudden, I felt myself believe it. Oh, no, no. I felt myself know it. So much so that I remember thinking, oh, I got to tell somebody. And it's after midnight and everybody's in bed. But my cell phone was in the passenger seat. So I just reached over there with my cell phone. And I started pretend calling people. And I promise I went just like this. Hey, I got the best news in the world. Yeah, Lindsay and Casey's getting back together. I know it. I know it. I know it. We're beside ourselves. I got to go by. I call the next person. Hey, you won't believe it. Lindsay and Casey are getting back together. I know it. I know it. It's incredible. It's a miracle. I got to go by. I don't know how many people I pretend call that night. I called, I don't know how many, one after another, after another, after another. And I can tell you this. The woman that pulled out of that driveway that night was not the same woman that pulled back in my house. I'm telling you, I walked in that house. I knew that I knew that I knew, I knew, I knew. I didn't tell anybody what I did. Not a soul, not near a soul, as my grandmother would say. Not even my husband, because Rick was already real worried about my mental condition by this time. But I knew... I thought Pam Barnett, Pam Barnett, Pam Wade, my little intercessor friend, and Leah's here too, my intercessors that stood with me for those two years. I thought Pam will get this. So I, I called Pam that next morning when I got, woke up, and I told Pam everything I just told you. And so every day that week, Pam and I talked to each other on the phone, and Pam would call me and she'd say, Karen, did you hear about the good news? I'd say, I have heard about it. She'd say, can you believe it? And I'd say, I know it. Pam, can you believe it? She'd say, it's just such a miracle. It's just such a miracle. Next day she called. I remember one morning Pam called me and she said, Karen, I was up this morning early and saw Good Morning America and Lindsay and Casey was on there giving their testimony. I said, get it. It's just, uh, Pam, we're in awe. We're just, we are amazed. She called me one morning. She said, Karen, did you see about the book that Lindsay wrote about her testimony? When she came home, it's on the New York Times bestseller list. I said, I know it. It's a miracle, Pam. Every day, every day that week, Pam and I talked, believing God, declaring. Some people would say, y'all are crazy. I say, we're just being like our father. We're just calling things that are not as though they were. Come on. You're just calling things that are, are not as though they were. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Do I need to tell you one week from that day that I met God under a midnight sky (laughs) at the end of all things? And I decreed, Lord, if you don't tell me any different, I'm still going to believe everything you've said. (sighs) I got a phone call. It's actually a text from Lindsay. Mom, I'm coming over. I thought, well, you know, what does this mean? She walks in my house, sits down at the kitchen table, shoves her phone toward me, 
And she said, Mom, I don't know what happened. But this morning I woke up and I want to come home. She said, I miss Casey. And I just sent him this message. I watched God in three days. Restore their marriage. Restore Lindsay to God. To her husband who forgave her and took her back. Restore God, restore Lindsay to her family. Restore Lindsay to her ministry. Gave him a little boy, the son of restoration, named Asher about 10 months later. Hallelujah. And now they've got a church they've started in Knoxville, Tennessee. I want to stand here as a witness to every woman at Calvary Assembly of God and look at you face to face and tell you, God kept every promise He gave me. Every single one. Every single one. Every single promise. Every single promise. And I want to tell you that because your God is my God. My God is your God. And God is going to keep his word to you. If you will hold on to that word and you never let it go. You never let it go. If you need a miracle for your marriage, your children. If you're believing for a prodigal. If you've got to have God do a miracle in your life. Come and stand right up here. We're going to pray. Just stand right here. Oh, no, no, my, no, no, my. You know what, Pam, Leah, my mama, come here, mother. Y'all just stand up here with me. These were the three women that, there were many people that helped me pray, but these were the three women that really walked that journey with me. And I'm, I'm glad they're here tonight. They wanted to come because it was driving distance. And, and uh, come on up here and just stand. I want them to stand over you too. And we're going to pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Mama, can you come? My sweet mother. Thank you, Lord. Pam, Leah, we saw God do a miracle, didn't we? (laughs) How many of you are believing for a prodigal? Raise up your hand. All right. All right. How many of you are believing for a marriage? Raise up your hand. All right. How many of you are just believing God for a miracle that only he understands? That's good. All right. All right healing, deliverance, whatever it is, God knows. Ladies, God does nothing in the earth except in response to prayer. Remember that. I want you to remember that when I leave. Your prayers make the difference. It's got to come out of your mouth. It's it's your fight, but he's going to give you the strength to fight it and stand. He'll give you everything you need if you won't give up. So we're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lift up both hands. As you're just keeping your eyes on Jesus, I hear this word that the Lord gave me when she was gone. This promise that said, I will do in a moment what would have taken 20 years of counseling. I hear the Lord saying that to somebody in here tonight. He said it to me. I'm saying it to you as from a word from the Lord. I will do in a moment what would have taken 20 years of counseling. That's the power of our God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare the power of your word and your holy presence in this room over your daughters that you love. You have seen some of them abused.
abused. You have seen some of them when their heart has been crushed by words that have been spoken to them from people they love. I pray over my sisters tonight that you would give them new strength to keep believing. Lord, where hope has just felt dead, I pray that hope will live again. Lord, for those that sometimes are almost afraid to hope because hope can hurt, I pray that hope is resurrected to live in the name of Jesus. Hope, rise up, rise up, rise up, hope, and live again. Rise up, hope, and live again. Rise up, hope, in the name of Jesus. Lord, renew their faith by causing them to remember your promise. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have got promises that you've forgotten. Let him remind you of those promises right now in Jesus' name. Remember your promise. Don't forget it. Don't lay it down. It's your sword. It's your sword. You can't lay down that sword. Oh, you say, Miss Karen, I don't remember the promise. He'll give you another one. He'll speak it to you again. He'll remind you. He'll give you as many as you need. He'll give you as many words as you need. Father, in Jesus' name, renew their faith. Renew their hope. Renew their strength in Jesus' name. Father, I declare restoration to marriages. I speak to marriages that seem dead and impossible to ever live again. Hope. I declare hope. I declare trust restored. I declare healing from the pain and the images of the past and the words that have been spoken and the deadness of the love. And in Jesus' name, Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. I declare life to the marriage. I declare that he will long for truth. I declare your husband will long for righteousness. I declare your husband will remember, oh my, and woe, and return to his first love for God and for you and for his family in Jesus' name. Come on, wife, agree with me for that. I hear that over a husband right now, that he returns to his first love for his wife, his children, and his family. In Jesus' name. For healing in bodies, your Jehovah Rapha, we declare in the name of Jesus, healing right now. Lord, even where it's impossible, we decree your word. In Jesus' name, healing comes. Deliverance from the addiction. In Jesus' name. One more. One more. For those of you believing for a prodigal son or daughter or loved one of any kind, I want us to pray for them right now. And I mean, listen, my sister, put your faith with me if you've ever done it right now, okay? God's going to go get them tonight. He's going to surround them tonight with conviction. Things are about to change and they don't even know it. So listen, raise up your hands one more time. Put Put their name up before God in your hands. Just see their name written on the palms of your hands right now and hold them up before God. Father, in the name of Jesus, you, while I'm praying, start whispering their name. Just slowly, just start calling their name, the one, calling their name. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that tonight you would go get these loved ones. Lord, I'm asking you to draw them to such conviction that they are miserable in sin. That they are miserable in the darkness. 
Oh God, break the chain of deception and rebellion. Open their eyes. Let scales fall from their eyes like they did Saul's when he turned to Paul. Let scales fall from their eyes that they see the truth and truth sets them free. Come on, mother, agree with me. We agree right now. Oh God, Lord, I pray every wrong relationship is broken. Come on. Every wrong friendship is destroyed. Every wrong influence is, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. Witchcraft broken. In the name of Jesus, every wrong influence, every wrong voice of influence, every lying spirit broken, broken. May the mouth of those that speak lies be stopped. Lord, sever the soul tie. Sever the soul tie. Sever the soul tie. Oh, come on. In the name of Jesus, I declare that perverse spirit, that sexual perverse spirit is broken. Come on. We agree right now. Oh, I declare identity restored to your son. I declare identity restored to your daughter. The lie is broken. They see the truth and it sets them free. Oh, come on. Shout hallelujah. This is what I want us to do. And Phyllis, you get ready to come, sweetie. I want us to do this one thing. I want you to do what I did when Lindsay was gone. We're going to call them home tonight. Mother, friend, daughter, whoever, whoever you're praying for. Oh, y'all. Do you know why this works? It's because it's the word of God. And it says, you speak for Christ when you plead, come back to God. That's right out of the Bible. And his word won't return void. No, when you declare this word, it's God's. It's, do you get that? It says God is making his appeal through you. It's not just you. It's God calling them home by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I don't care where they are tonight. It don't matter if they're in another country. God's going where they are. I don't care if they're in a bed with somebody else that's not their spouse. God's going where they are. If they're in a crack house, a bar, it doesn't matter. God's going where they are tonight. They won't even understand. They're just going to feel, they're just going to sense something stirring. It's like God's going to put a hook on them tonight and start pulling them and start drawing them back to righteousness. So let's get ready to go. Are you ready, mom? Get ready to call their name. When we call their name, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to say one, two, three. When I say three, I want you to call them like you used to call your child. If you saw your child out in the yard going toward danger, you'd call them. Come back home. Get back. We're going to call them like that. Come on. We know how to do this. We pushed them out one time. We can push them out again. You push their name out and you call them and do it in faith. Don't just do it in words. Do it in faith. See their face and start calling. Do it like I did. Lindsay, come back to God. When I say one, two, three, you call their name and start calling them hard and strong in faith over and over. Are you ready? Come on. One, two, three. Go. Come on. Come on. Lindsay. Jeremy, come back to God. Come on, Susan, come back to God. Lucille, come back to God. Oh, Billy Ryan, come back to God. Jesse, 
up a shout of praise. Lift up a shout of praise. Come on, can you see it? Come on, Phyllis. Come on, sweetheart. Can you see it? Can you see it, mother? Phyllis, I'm two minutes over. I've got to, let me tell you this. We did this recently in a church I was in in Ohio. And there was a lady in the altar. She was actually one of the speakers for the conference. She was standing where you are, calling her son, 40-something-year-old son, back home, doing exactly what you did. We had to leave after the service to go eat. She was with the group of speakers. As soon as we got to the restaurant, she said, you're not going to believe what just has happened. She said, I was standing in that altar calling my son. And she said, when I finished, I went back to my purse and I saw on my phone, he had tried to call me. She said, I couldn't believe it. So she said, I called him back. And uh, she said, uh, you know, I'm just calling you back. He said, no, mom. He said, I'm just returning your call. He said, you called. And she said, honey, I didn't call you, but I know what happened. She said, I didn't call you on the phone. She said, but I was standing at an altar calling you home. Come on. Oh, I'm telling you, this works. This works.